0: Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at EV. It's great to be with you on this Christmas morning. Merry Christmas, one and all. Merry Christmas. Yeah, great. Okay. just want to make sure you're awake, you know. Hopefully you had breakfast and uh, we tried to have um, ham and cheese croissants this morning. Um, Weren't the best, but we'll try something different next Christmas. Um, Look, it it is fantastic to be able to come together to sing. I love singing Christmas carols. Hope you do too. We only get to do it kind of once a year, but it's a great, great occasion. I, I, I reckon nothing beats Christmas, yeah? Nothing beats Christmas. I mean, what isn't there to like about Christmas? I mentioned already food, but there's more food to come this afternoon. I hope uh, food usually too much of it, but there's also presents. Weird presents, like my daughter gave me this head massaging thing this morning. That was that was weird, but it's good. It's good. I think as I've gotten older, the presents have gotten less and less as well. You may be finding that you're giving more than you're receiving these days. That's okay. It's fine. But look, one of the things I really love about Christmas is summer. Summer at the beach, I love going, playing volleyball, uh, maybe at the park. Um, I always get sunburnt though, so there's always that downside. (laughs) But look, for most of us, Christmas equals time with family, doesn't it? Whether that's immediate family or extended family or, or church family here. Uh, Christmas is one of those occasions that brings people together. Nothing beats Christmas. Uh, But I want to put it to you this morning that there's another reason why nothing beats Christmas. Nothing beats Christmas because on that very first Christmas, the Son of God took on flesh to give us eternal life. So why don't you pray with me as we come to God's Word and hear Him speak. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you so much for your word, and we do ask that this morning on this Christmas day that it would be instruction for us. We ask that you would be at work in us by your spirit, growing us in our love and knowledge of you, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, most of you will be familiar with the events of the first Christmas, Uh, the manger scene, the shepherds watching, sheep, angels singing their songs, wise men arriving with gifts... (laughs) But what if there's more to the story? What if the birth of Jesus is actually the most significant event in all of human history and can transform our lives? You see, entangled in the Bethlehem birth is not one but two key understandings of the Christmas message, two key understandings that help us understand Christianity. The first is the plurality of persons in the unity of God. And the second is the union of the Godhead with manhood in the person of Jesus. It's kind of like a two-for-one deal if you go to Briscoes or something like that. Here at Christmas, we get this great moment where we get these two key understandings that come together. Super important in knowing who Jesus is. And the Apostle John is primarily interested in introducing us to this person. He's He's interested in introducing us to the Word The Word who is God. That's point number one on your outline. So take a look with me. John 1.1. He says this. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John, the apostle, he's telling us at least three things in this very first verse. He's, He's telling us that he was there in the beginning. Not John, but the Word. He was there from the beginning, eternal. He was there with God, but separate to him, and then thirdly, that he was God, the same as God. And so the assertion that John is making is that from the beginning of time, there existed a plurality of persons in the Godhead, God the Father, and God the Word. Verse 2 continues, He, the Word, was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created." That verse 3 there just clarifies for us what it means, word to be with God. The word was the co-creator with God the Father. The word was co-eternal with God the Father. He is not the Father because he was with God the Father, but he is equal to God. He is equal with God the Father because the word was God. But this raises a question for us, doesn't it? It raises the question of whether or not this means that there are two gods or perhaps even more. This is the claim that, say, Jews and Muslims have against Christianity, that we've made this word into something more than he actually is. Jehovah's Witnesses and Christadelphians, likewise, they all oppose Jesus' divinity being equal with the Father. And yet John is quite clear, not just here, but throughout his gospel account, that this word is Jesus and he is the one and only Son of God. If you're following along in your Bibles, you'll see that at the end of the passage we read in verse 18. And so throughout the generations, ever since that first Christmas, the the Christian church has continued to confess that we believe in God the Father and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. Jesus Christ, who is called the Word, is the eternal God. If you were with us on Sunday, we saw the same truth come through in the book of Colossians, didn't we? It's up on the screen, but Colossians 1, verse 15 and 16, says this, He, that is Jesus, is the, invisible, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether through dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. You see, friends, Jesus was there in the beginning, and all things were created by him and through him. And so this Christmas, when your kid comes up to you and asks you, where did God come from? You can confidently say, well, God didn't come from anywhere. He was always there. He never had a beginning. He was there before anything else was there. He made everything else. As far back as you can go in eternity, forever and ever and ever, there is one changeless reality, life, divine, personal life. The baby in the manger at Bethlehem was none other than the eternal Word of God, which brings us to our second point. The Word became flesh. So John, in verse 14 of chapter 1, he says this, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. A little further on in verse 17, he says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In baby Jesus, God the Son took on flesh. God was united in a human nature in one person. It was truly man and truly God who lived in history as Jesus Christ. So he ceased to be God he was not less than God before but he had begun to be, sorry he was not less than God before but he had begun to be a man he was not now God minus some of his deity but God plus all that he had made his own by taking manhood to himself this is deity incarnate it's 100% God 100% man this is mind-boggling, right? It's amazing. It blows my mind. And yet again, in Colossians 2, we see this affirmed, Colossians 2.9, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. So we are right to be puzzled at such a thought. It's a, it's a marvelous mystery that we struggle to get our heads around it, and we can't con- explain it. We can't even understand sometimes. But we can formulate it. And so guys much smarter than me, uh, 500 years after the first Christmas, uh, a guy by the name of Athanasius would give clarity to the central doctrine of the Christian faith. He says this, it's, it's on the screen, "'Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God and man, perfect God and perfect man, who although he be God and man, yet he is not two, but one Christ.'" One, not by conversion of the Godhead into flesh, but by taking of manhood into God. Wow. Have you ever wondered why Jesus needed to be born into this world? Why, why the Christmas story at all? Why didn't he just show up at you know, the ripe age of 30? Three years of ministry on earth, and that would have been more efficient, wouldn't it? I've been, I've been studying, I'm studying um, theology as I, as I kind of uh, continue to wrap up my degree. Uh, we just had our exam period, for those of you in the room that have just had exams and well done, holidays. Um, but look, one of the things that you always get drummed into as a student is that the key to answering any exam is actually to understand the question that's being posed to you, right? understanding the problem in order to articulate your answer, right? And so we have to ask the question, what's what's God's answer? Well, what is, what is it that we need to understand of God's answer in the baby boy of Jesus? And the, the thing we need to grapple with is we actually first need to understand our problem. Because our problem is that our relationship with God is broken. And that's actually got to do with our first parents all the way back in the Garden of Eden. They disobeyed God. They were rebellious towards their maker. They ate the forbidden fruit. It was this act of disobedience that the Bible calls sin. Now This has tainted humanity ever since. And so you and I, all these years on, we're all born in rebellion against the holy God because we're unable to keep his law. But you see, Jesus, in taking on human flesh, was able to live in perfect obedience to his Father. He was able to do what the rest of humanity couldn't do, that is obey the law, 100%. And so at Easter, some of you, that might be the only other significant time of the year, you come along to church, it's fine, it's good to have you here today. But at Easter, that's when the perfectly obedient Jesus dies on the cross in our place. And Philippians 2 has this to say, When he had, become, when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even to death on a cross. Friends, God the Son humbled himself, taking on the likeness of humanity so that he could do what the first Adam failed to do. Jesus, perfect God, perfect man, is the redeemer that we needed. And he accomplished all that was necessary by identifying with our humanity and doing what God had to do to save us. See, the incarnation is much more than a marvel of nature. It's a wonder of grace. Jesus is the solution to our sin problem. And the Christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity. Hope of pardon from our rebellion. Hope of peace with God. Hope of glory. Because at the Father's will, Jesus Christ came. He became poor for us. He was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. It's the most wonderful message that the world has ever heard, and it was God's plan all along. The baby born at Bethlehem was God made man to give life. That's our third point today. So come back with me to John chapter 1 verse 4. It reads this, "...in him," that is Jesus, "...was life, and that life was the light of men." That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And so Jesus is the creator and sustainer of life. He was there in the beginning with His Father, and He entered into our world to give us eternal life, to become children of God. And John's going to go on and elaborate this in a few chapters. John chapter five twenty four says this: Jesus, He's responding to the um, antagonizing comments from the Jewish people, his own people. (laughs) And in verse 24, he says this, Truly, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but is passed from death to life. Friends, the hard reality is that Christianity is a life and death issue. It's not a therapy that makes things go better. If you don't worship Jesus You don't worship God. If you don't worship Jesus, you don't worship God. Because only in Jesus is there eternal life. Because only through him can our deadness be replaced with life. And so the invitation is to trust Jesus for your salvation, to to enter into God's family and to receive eternal life. Now, you might have come here today. You might have been dragged along by family or friends. And I want to say again, it's glad that you're, we're really glad that you're here. But we do believe that this is the most important event in human history. That at Christmas, when Jesus came into the world, something profound happened. Something amazing. Look, perhaps you've recognized that you haven't been living God's way. Perhaps this Christmas, you need to consider the significance of who Jesus is. And what he actually came to earth to do. What he actually achieved to give you abundant life. So I'd love to chat with you further today, if you've got time, about this abundant life that Jesus offers, this eternal life. But cast your eyes back to verses 12 and 13 in our passage today. And let John unpack what it looks like to live with Jesus. Verse 12, he says this, But to all who received him, he gives them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who are born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. See, Christ's life-giving salvation is offered to all as the only remedy for sin. Now, we've had a year that's been marred by COVID. Uh, It's pretty hard to talk about 2020 without talking about COVID. Uh, But just recently, I saw that the first container of vaccines had arrived uh, in New Zealand. So there's excitement to be had there, I guess. Uh, But look, if a doctor comes up to you and says, hey, look, I've got this vaccine um, and it'll work for everyone... What the doctor's not saying is that just by standing next to the vaccine, it's going to work for you. Uh, he's saying that everyone who takes the vaccine will actually actually be immunized. And this is sort of the invitation that John's offering in these opening words of his uh, account. He's saying that the ones who are born of God, not of, not of blood or of the will of flesh or, or the will of man, but of God, they when they're born, they will become alive. They'll be made alive. They receive life. They were dead in their sin, and now they've been made alive because they've responded to or they've received life through Jesus Christ. And so they become children of God. And that's, that's the invitation to us at Christmas, to, to become part of the family, to celebrate with one another this life-giving God who's stepped into, our world, into human history. Friends, the greatest mistake we could make this Christmas is to celebrate, celebrate Christmas and miss out on the Christ. That Jesus, the eternal Word, who took on flesh and died in our place, that we would live for Him eternally. In Jesus, God is revealed to live the perfect life. He died in our place and He rose again to show us the life that He gives us. And this is how God faithfully demonstrated His love for us by writing himself into the history books of the world redeeming for himself a bunch of rebellious people for his glory and for our joy perhaps the most famous or most quoted bible verse in the world is from John's gospel John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have what eternal life oh what a god we serve What a saviour we have in Jesus. And what a joy it is to know him, that our hope is secure because of this marvel of the Christmas story. Friends, nothing beats Christmas. May we never forget that. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful for your love for us. We're so thankful for the word who became flesh and dwelt amongst us. At such cost, you sent your Son into the world. And we want to say thank you that you came to us in our darkness, in our rebellion against you, so that we could have life. And we ask that you would help us to remember that profound moment in history this Christmas Day and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a sermon recording from Auckland EV. We hope you found it helpful. And if you'd like to find out more about Jesus or about church, we'd love to get in touch. So check out our website at aucklandev.co.nz for more details. Thanks for listening.